Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at chabacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock podcast. In case you're wondering why I'm not in a very cheery mood, well, I think if you're an Albion fan, uh, we'd have to be to be listening to this. And uh, if you are, it's pretty obvious why. Because uh, in followance to the end of the last podcast, we do now know for sure that Graham Potter has left us our greatest manager slash coach, in my opinion, in our history so far, um, has now gone. It's been confirmed the day after he started talks. Um, he's gone on a five-year deal. The, the extra wham, double whammy is that, uh, as well as the obvious three that he brought with him from his back room, including Carl McCauley uh, from recruitment, who did very well, by the way, by all accounts, uh, with us. He's also taken with him Bruno and Ben Roberts, as if it couldn't get any worse, uh, both of whom are highly acclaimed, particularly Ben Roberts for the work he's done over several years. And that is a big blow, which I've only just discovered, in fact. Anyway, to discuss this rather miserable subject, I have uh, with me as usual, Peter Marsh. Hello, Peter. Hey, Russ. Yeah, not the uh, the best day for Alpine, is it? Yeah. Blowing no. on from our first top flight five at the weekend as well. Yeah, I mean, talk about contrast. This is classic football, isn't it? Dragging us from one end to the other at the emotional scale. Um, classic Albion, certainly. Oh, it is classic Albion, isn't it? Um, well, the, the rest of the team, we've got five of us all together. We have, uh, we, we're discussing, uh, we need a collective noun for Andes because we've got three of them. I'm going to come up with a couple of suggestions in a minute. But um, just to introduce them, we've got Andy Knott, Andy Bass and Andy Bravery with us. Welcome all. Hello. Hello. Hi there. An arsehole of Andy's, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> I suggested an aggravation or an argument of Andy's earlier. Yeah. I think an aggravation is pretty I'll good. I'll do that. An yeah. aggravation. <laughs> an aggravation. Yes. Certainly aggravated Andy's tonight. <laughs> that's for sure. Definitely. Well, before we go into the debate, let me just quickly um, sum up what's happened. So yesterday morning, Tuchel sacked about 10 o'clock. Quickly, rumours started they wanted to approach Potter. They did. Uh, they uh, he was given permission, which is in 
in line with Alvin's usual policy to not stand in the way of people to at least talk. Uh, went up there, it seems that the talks were going positively. None of the vibes were suggesting he was going to turn it down. Uh, by the time we got to nightfall, uh, it seemed pretty likely that it was just a matter of uh, getting through the uh, just the protocols. For me, I think with with an approach from a manager, certainly as far as the Albion go, there's, there's a four-stage process. One is to approach the club and ask them to speak to the manager. And I imagine at that point, the manager is then told uh, of the interest. This may or may not happen with Villa and Spurs and other clubs. We're supposed that one or two people have alluded to clubs abroad, apparently approaching us as well. Um, and that probably was a case of Graham saying, no, not really. Club says, no, he doesn't want to talk. We don't want to lose him. Goodbye. And that's the end of phase one. Phase two is, of course, he does want to speak to them, at least to hear what they have to say, in inverted commas. Uh, and that's the, the next step we moved into. Uh, he obviously went quite quickly through that one into phase three, which is making a verbal agreement after a bit of consideration and probably a few elements of negotiation. And then stage four was getting it signed, which is what's happened. As we record this just after five o'clock on uh, Thursday evening, this is some, um, I think the news broke. I was working at the time, what time did the news break? About an hour ago, was it? Yeah, about four-ish sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so that, that's actually remarkably quick, considering when you're basically negotiating contracts with six different people, effectively. Yeah, I guess. It's pretty quick, isn't it? I guess they would have offered favourable terms for the rest, uh, good enough to not be a, a quick hindrance. They wanted to get it done quickly and get him in place for the weekend, uh, which is understandable from their we point of view. Fulham again. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, I mean that's that's the state of it uh, in terms of how quickly it went. I think the fact that he wanted to go clearly, they were very keen and they managed to persuade him that this was a longevity um, plan rather than the previous incarnation under the previous owner of Chelsea managers of just signing big names, uh, signing big name players, and then just seeing how it goes and sacking people pretty quickly. Clearly, that is not what they're going to do from now on with Todd Bowley. Uh, as we've had since the last podcast, um, I've read some research that one of the sports clubs in the US that he took over, he did persevere with that manager, the same as he did to a certain degree with Tuchel, uh, even though he was clearly not keen to keep either of them. And in the case of the US sports team, he um, he appointed someone who lasted for eight years. I don't know how he departed in the end but he was there eight years which would be a selling point for Graham in in terms of conviction that uh, he would get the time so so that's that's the basic summary of what's happened um who wants to go first I mean Andy Bass you've probably got less time so should we let you kick off with your because I know you've got quite a bit to say about this yeah um first of all absolutely gutted um and and I'm really angry and outraged about it you know I'm those, those are the raw emotions that, that I've been feeling since yesterday uh, when, we, you know, when we got the full details you know, and the likelihood. I thought he would stay, to be honest. I, I, you know, I might be being overdramatic, but I think, I, think he's, I think he's betrayed us. I think he's betrayed um, Tony Bloom and Paul Barber, the, the, giving him absolutely everything, including time and patience when uh, things weren't going so well. Uh, I think he's betrayed the players. Um, I, I mean, I suppose they they may well be more pragmatic than us as fans because I'm, you know, I'm sure that you know, they would take lucrative moves and yada yada. But we, um, you know, but we were led to believe that you know there was something more about than just the usual. Let's just like you know, career advancement. There's something more about the project and what and what he can do. I don't see what project there is at Chelsea. It's just like you know, turn a successful 
just keep a successful, rich club, successful and rich. It's not really that much of a challenge, is it? What are you going to do? They've already won the Champions League a couple of times in recent history. They've, you know, they've, they've won the league. You know, they, they win the FA Cup you know, on a shared basis with the other top six clubs. Um, you know, what, what joy is there to be had in that? Absolutely none, as far as I can see. And, you know, and it's a, you know I know they've got new ownership, but it's a particularly rancid organisation. And, um, you know, it just seems utter, it just seems unpotter. You know, I don't think any of us are naive enough to know that Potter was going to stay around forever and ever. He's obviously too good to do that. Um, I thought he would show a little bit more imagination under, you know, about which project he would undertake next. And basically, if it was Chelsea, well, then, you know, you're welcome to it, mate. Just go and that's it, we're done. Leave us to pick up the pieces. And, you know, by taking away... Bruno and Roberts just literally gutting this club today. We've literally been gutted. We've been left with Andrew Croft. No disrespect to Crofty. We've been left going into an important match that could see us go top of the league. You know, and we all know how those games work out with Andrew Cross in charge. And like no one there. I mean, utterly. And it's and it's happened in the blink of an eye. Yeah. That's it. As soon as, soon as the offer came in, that's it. He couldn't get out of it quick enough. So, yeah. you know, anybody expecting me to be generous towards him right now is, is, you know, is going to have to wait a little while for that. Um, all the while, I will acknowledge he's been the best manager <clears throat> this club's had. There's no denying it. The absolute pleasure that he's given us over, over the last couple of years. And I love the vision that, that he's shown us. I love how he's, he's brought us to this, to this point. I'm absolutely disgusted about the way he's just walked away at the first opportunity. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's that's just how I feel. That's what football's about. It's about passionate opinions and and feeling it in the moment. And in this moment, that's how I feel about it. Well, absolutely. We've, we've obviously all expected he would go to a top six club or maybe a premium side abroad or maybe the England job, although I think most of us think that wouldn't be something he'd be interested in at this stage. Um, it's galling if there's there's only four clubs from that list that you would imagine, from what I've just said, uh, that I wouldn't be happy with him to go to, uh, just generally because I don't like the clubs, which is Chelsea, Man United, Real and Barca, and he's gone to one of them, so that's annoying. Uh, it is unfinished business. That's incredibly annoying. The timing within the season... Just after the transfer window, for what that's worth, although that wasn't a big, that's probably more of an issue for Chelsea than us, but the timing early in the season, when we've got off to a good start, when things are flying, uh, when there's hope of actually making new ground again on the top of last season, of actually qualifying for Europe, what that achievement would uh, would have in terms of value versus, as you say, just being another manager that wins trophies for Chelsea, um, I, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, yeah, I I loved, I would have loved him to have stayed. And I did have an inkling he would do until I saw this thing about, you know, the, the, the new regime giving player, um, managers time. Then I thought, mm, OK, we're probably talking he's going to be swung here. Because from a personal point of view, it's about him getting up the ladder, improving, challenging himself, getting trophies personally, um, as opposed to it being for Chelsea. But, you know, his his own... CV, I, I guess, is what is motivated him. It probably is that more than money, although money, money certainly wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have harmed the matter from his persuasion point of view. But um, I'm much the same as you, Andy. I'm, I'm probably a little bit more reflective about it already because I think I I think I kind of I went through the phases of depression and the other reactions. What is it? The 
something Roscoe, I can't remember what it's called now, um, Kublam Ross or something. I, I think I went through all that quicker than I thought I had, <laughs> to be honest. But uh, Peter, <laughs> what's your yeah, thoughts? I, I've heard this, the American thing mentioned a few times. I just don't think it's relevant. To me, American sport is just America. It just they. If you have a bad season, you don't. You're not affected by something. If Chelsea come eighth or ninth in a season or something like that, they're going to be out, or or even fifth. They're not going to be in the Champions League. Nothing like that happens in America. You can rebuild. You can. You're in a position where you can pick up people for the next season in, in better in a way in the draft or if it's, it's that situation. Whereas if they come fifth this season now, is he really going to stick with Potter when they're not in the Champions League? I'm not that convinced that, that that example from America is that relevant, to be honest. And people keep using it for the proof the new owner, but it's a very different sporting situation. Yeah, fair enough. Although that may have been an, an, an arguing tool that they might have used with him and he might have been convinced by it, maybe. But fair point, I take that on board and pass it along the line as I look on Zoom here to Andy Not. Yeah, I, I just want to follow on, on, on that point, actually. Uh, I really would like to say something about Potter as well. Um, but on that point, um, I would Potter's got an MA in emotional intelligence and he exudes it as well. But I'm wondering whether he really is being intelligent with this move. I can, I can really understand it. Like you, I fucking hate Chelsea. And <laughs> as much as I still love Potter, um, he, he will fail there. And um, I will enjoy that because it's not just about the owner. It's about the fans and their fans are repulsive Mm. and they will turn on him if they finish fifth and the owner will be given very little choice in the matter. Yeah, that's a good point. And Sky said, said, you know, you can't afford to lose three in a row if you're the Chelsea manager. Would he really be given time if things go Paddy off the rails so quickly. I mean, I, I've already always said about Potter that um, when he goes, he needs to go right at the end of a, a, a Premier League season, such that he's got two or three months to embed his ideas. Um, and okay, he's going to have what um, he's got a game against Fulham at the weekend, and then there's what one or two games the following week that we don't have. And then he's got a couple of weeks um, when most of his players will be away on international duty. Uh, after that, he's got two games a week up until the World Cup. I I can't see how he can start to implement his ideas in that scenario. Um, and, yeah, uh, we can speculate on... on how it'll go, but um, I, I don't think it's the best circumstances for him to go to a top club. Mm, the time... if, if we want to characterise Chelsea as a top club. Yeah, I mean, the timing seems odd. For Chelsea, they've just spent shitloads of money, £280 million on players that the new manager might not want to start with. Yeah, and, and written off £100 million on Lukaku as well, yeah. as a result of the managers. Exactly, and apparently they didn't this has been in the offing. It hasn't just been an e-jet reaction to the defeat in midweek. Um, this has been in the offing. So I wonder if they just cut the losses earlier in the summer if they wanted to get him or someone else in and, and actually have a proper pre-season. That would have allowed us to have at least some semblance of a proper pre-season. Um, in my mind's eye, um, and by the way, I fucking hate Chelsea as well, if we're getting on to it. Um, 
in my mind's eye, I was picturing Graham having the whole of this season, possibly untold success in terms of maybe even qualifying for Europe. Um, off the back of that, possibly he stays for another year. If we don't quite make that, he leaves. And if we do make Europe, maybe he leaves at the end of the season. I imagine the fourth year in its entirety. And then, you know, you can kind of, he can go with our blessing then because he's just got us that extra step, which we've never achieved, which is either qualifying for Europe uh, or winning a trophy, which obviously by default means the same thing anyway. Um, so I'm, I'm very, very frustrated by the timing. It couldn't be worse for us because we've got to get a new manager in. He's got to get to know the players and we're we're on the crest of a wave and that wave is going to quickly come crashing down to the shore. Uh, Andy Bravery, last to speak, uh, his first thoughts on this situation. Over to you, sir. I'll just, I just sit there and just think, what's the point? What's the bloody point? And, I, and this goes beyond Potter, really. You know, like we've lost the technical director. We lost someone else, I think, from the, um, the youth set up. And now we've lost the entire backroom staff. I, I thought after, after the point around the technical director was that like the manager came in with two or three staff and left again. And then you maintain your infrastructure. And it's all just gone out the door. The whole bloody lot's gone out the door. We understand that players will be bought occasionally, but even then, you know, like we're, we're like two or three. It's not going to be long before someone, you know, whether that be Chelsea, Newcastle or wherever coming for Casado, I suspect for a lot of money. And you're just left there in a bit of disarray. And, and, and the timing is the, big, is the big issue for me because we've got no chance to plan. You know, like we, we are, you know, like... We, are we going to get our best choice in? Are we really going to get our best choice in? Or are we going to have to make do with whatever's out there, really? You know, and I just, um, I just, I mean, I, I, you know, I can't, on one level, I understand all the stuff about, you know, like, yeah, we let our, we let our employees talk to potential suitors and we don't stand in their way. And, you know, and to some extent, that's just sort of really following what, what would happen for most of us in our jobs. But it just feels sometimes like we, you know, do we do we actually try hard enough to keep them? Should we do a bit more? And certainly with one or two of them, bearing in mind how how you know much hardball we played um, with um, Ashworth, why, why are we not doing a bit more of that with some of the backroom staff? I don't really understand. And and the other thing for me, and I and I think I've said it on um, one of the uh, WhatsApp groups today. It's it's at this point, it was a bit like with Hoopier when he went. It's at this point, I don't want to hear from Barber. I'm not interested what Barber thinks, what the plans are. I want to hear from our leader. I want Bloom to come out and talk to us as fans and reassure us and give us confidence that they, like, they know what they're going to do and how they're going to take it forward, you know. And succession planning is all right, but like it's, it's not like we've got someone in the club who's going to take over as the manager or the coach. We haven't. So, like, it's succession plan only takes you as far as who's available, you know, and clearly not everyone's going to be available because it's the start of the damn season. And, I, and, I, and the other bit about me, I mean, I don't really mind that he's, that he's going in itself because I, I take quite a pragmatic stance to basically his loyalty, you know, is to himself and his family, is to get what the best for himself and, and his career. And all the time he's with us, I felt like he's been loyal. I've enjoyed the football. He's not, unlike Poyet, he doesn't talk about wanting to leave, any of that stuff. I accept all, I accept all of that. But what was really kind of like great in me is I walked away on Sunday thinking, I feel like this is the season where, because I, I only managed to go to the home games, 
Well, like, it's like the home crowd get him. He gets the home crowd. We've had a couple of good matches at home. It's going to be a much better home season. It's going to be a very different atmosphere at the Amex because it's always been a little bit up and down with, with, um, with Potter and the home crowd. You know, it's going to be a really good season. And uh, that's all ended now, really. And, yeah. um, you know, I mean, even like, you know, with the Queen, with her current, um, you know, difficulties, hasn't managed to bury this bad news, has it, really? It's all over the Brighton, um, you know, talk, talk WhatsApps, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we've complained um, about yeah. enough media coverage. We certainly have done in the last 24 hours. That's yeah, for sure. but exactly. Not but I, need, I, want, I want Bloom to come out. I, I need him to come out and talk to us. Yeah. You know. yeah, I get your point. I and mean, I know we do know that he's got the best interest to club at heart, etc. Yeah, I don't, you don't doubt need that. To yeah. hear him say he's, our, he's our leader, isn't it? And this yeah. isn't about chief. I, I get that he delegates a lot, but this isn't about a chief exec. This is about the leader. And he's yeah. the leader. This is he's the one with the money. He was quoted earlier, wasn't he? They were, they were all quoted, him, Weir, and, and um, Barbara on the, on the thing, I think. I thought they okay, were all on the official I article. Wanna, I want to see an interview, and I and I'll, I want to see an interview with him. I want him to come and speak to us directly. That's yeah. what I really want to see. Yeah, and that's a different thing, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. yeah. Uh, and I've got no time for Chelsea either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Peter, you were going to say something else as well, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, I, I want to slightly put an alternative view on the timing. Actually, I don't think it's as bad as um, everyone's saying it is. So we, if we get a new person in the summer, because we might have had a bad start. Instead, he's left us in a point where we've had a really good start. We have a bit of a bit of a cushion if we were to, given our first aim for any season, especially when we lose our manager, is to stay up. We've got a bit of a cushion now where we can. We've got thirteen points from six games. We've got the game this weekend, but then nothing for three weeks in which we can get a new manager in, hopefully, and get them to work with the team a bit as well. Although some players will be away, I'm not sure it's quite as bad. It's it's annoying because Chelsea left it and did it the way they've done it, and they've taken our whole back from staff, but. It's actually not as bad a time as, as it might seem, I think, possibly. I think we've got that little bit of cushion that whereby we only need like technically probably five or six points before the World Cup to actually be in reasonable in not in a relegation zone. So someone has got some time at least to come in and put their, you know, get their feet under the under the under the the table and that sort of thing. And sort of, I'm not talking about getting top half of this, I'm talking about like survival being the kind of first aim. And so I'm not sure it's as bad. It's not great, but it's not as bad as it sounds, in my view. No, although, although, to be fair, also, that is coincidental as well, because the Palace game, by the way, has been postponed. Yeah. But on the other hand, if we got someone in summer, they could have like four points from these six games and be in real, under real pressure now. That's true. But I think the timing is as an overall, you know, one season where we click and we can step on from what we did at the beginning of last season. Yeah. We're up against our bogey side and then our arch rivals. And it's by chance that that game's got postponed. You know, those two games, our first two games with the new manager would have been a total disaster. One of those is with a, without that manager, uh, with that new manager anyway now. Um, it's, it, I think the timing is infuriating. Now, Andy um, Bass and Bravery wanted to speak. I don't know, Andy, Andy Bass, do you still have something to speak about what we've already covered? Or uh, I think you've already covered it. Yeah. Okay. We'll come back to you in a moment. But Andy Bravery's got. Yeah. To so I, I just want to go back to Peter's point. I, I agree with Peter that my, my issue is more about who's available now compared to who would have been available in the summer. And I think it's a much smaller. That's for me yeah. the timing. It's much more about you know who's going to be available for us, and are we going to be really compromised in our choice because of that? We'll see. I, th- I think Bloom will give it time. I don't see him kind of. You know, he'll he'll know he's got a bit of time to do it. I think they'll. I mean, yeah, my personal choice, I'm going to lay my cards on the on the table, even though I've not really knew much about it before this week, is Ketul Knudsen, or how you pronounce it, in uh, a Bode Glimpse. 
Um, I've been reading up about him a bit since since happened yesterday, and he's done a brilliant job there. I'd happily take him. Um, there's talk of Thomas Frank who'd be brilliant, but I really don't see Brentford letting him have us letting ha- us have him. Um, yeah, and there, I think we're in a really good position to attract someone, surely. But 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 the fact that you know people in the summer might have thought, well, they've sold sold one or two players and they've done this and done that. But now we're still we're fourth again. We had a really good start. I think we're a pretty attractive prospect, personally. Well, we are, but um, I mean, the other thing, by the way, Chelsea doing what they've done um, uh, is that um, they've set not they haven't just disrupted our plans. We are going to probably disrupt someone else's plans now by necessity, almost certainly. Um, that could be several fold, couldn't it? It could be disrupting a whole load of people. It's going to pose the question, which I'm going to come to in a minute, but it might be exactly what Andy not was about to say. I'm not sure, so I'll go to you first, Andy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to say on time, and I, I kind of agree with Peter, um, we do have three weeks, which is, is you know, amazing amount yeah, of time. Yeah, we are lucky with Highly that. condensed season. I kind of take um, Andy Bravery's point about um, the pool being a little bit smaller, but this is the nature of this horrendous beast that we're operating in. Um and the point that you've just made is that we're about to disrupt somebody else's season. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of a view that, you know, this happens, we'll just move on. I mean, I, I po- pose the heretical question of who's the most important individual at the club, Potter or Bloom. You know, I think we'll find out over the next um, season. And it's it's a kind of... You know, it's a question that I don't really believe in stating because it's obviously Bloom, but Potter is an exceptional manager mm. person, um, and the amount of money that he's actually generated for this club, the way in which he's transformed our squad from a slow, old. Um, lacking in the kind of physicality to this young, hungry, dynamic, rapid, um, you know, how much money did have we got in the last year, year and a bit in transfer fees? Is it 80 million, million years, I think, or something? Well, it's 20 million today as well. It's up to towards yeah. 200 million, isn't it? That's, yeah. Yeah, that's what so. we've got in. Yeah, um, as Peter said, we've got more money for Potter as well, which we could be. Yeah, the other yeah, interesting about, question about another... as well is who's more important of, on in the recruitment out of Macaulay and Win Stanley, who's yeah. now this. It's uh, a good question. I was going to yeah, Sorry, I was just going to go to Mr. Bass. Actually, yeah, yeah, you wanted to get a word in on that one, so. Um, yeah, I just, I just think you know, I think that's. I mean, I, t- I take the point where we we have got some time to to do it but the timing does stink because we're we're right in the middle of a brilliant run we had a, a great end to last season we continued that so people were saying oh we, are, we started the same last season and look what happened then yeah but we didn't have like nine games prior to that prior to that run where mm. we were being top six form which is what we were um and it's, it's just walked away with everything and and I think, yes, there's an element of success, but I'm, I'm sure that we've had a file of potential candidates ever since we hired him, and that would make sense to me. But um, I don't think we could have helped Potter. Clearly, he wanted the job. 
So mm. you don't keep a manager against his will. You can make, sometimes do it with players, but you can't do it with managers. So, mm. I mean, Bloom's hands were tied there, but it it just absolutely stinks. And it's just like, we've done a good job with this football club. Potter's done a good job with this football club. Chelsea have done a blimmin' rubbish job. And, and who gets to pay for it? We do. Yeah. Not them. It's the so, same story. And it's like we you know we we've lost players because because we've made you know we they've been turned into good players. Now I've lost our manager and all of our flipping staff, and it all started you know with Ashworth and yeah. taking the blood money up in Newcastle, and now you know another tawdry deal has gone down today. Um it's just grubby nonsense and yeah, and it, Poor old Tony, he must be like Sisyphus. He's got to roll that rock back up the other again. Yeah. Um, you know, we we were just getting there. The feeling that everybody had after the Leicester game was like, holy shit, we might actually be able to do something this season. You know, not saying we could, but now saying might, you know, it's not, not beyond the realms. We look like a good team. We, Apart from Fulham, we've been the better team in every game that we've played this season. And, by a considerable margin, I would have thought. Um, and now that now that, that train has come to a halt, those players that have, you know, I feel for the players as well. Because um, oh, yeah. I, I just think they've been shafted. Or, you know, um, but, you know, I, well, it'll be interesting to see. I think we are, I think we will be an attractive proposition. I think we will, we will appeal to good managers, but this is a, very very big call for Tony Bloom now and um, because I think the task now is not keeping us up the task now is to make us finish higher up yeah. in that division in that top third of the division with the aspiration that we might you know get that sixth or seventh spot um, or, you know, or even better you know, or win a cup or something like that but that's the aspiration has now changed the job has changed the job isn't the same one that Potter took on mm. yeah. I think that's Potter, actually, Potter took on a survival job but, but it is the bare minimum though I suppose in a sense we, yeah. you know, we obviously lose some money for positions but if someone came in and took a while for their, their new ideas to come in and we finished 15th it's not the end of the world compared to dropping from 14th to relegation you know oh, it's, it's not absolutely. the same I, I, given the circumstances this that we are now in, I, I abs- absolutely, um, I absolutely agree with that. Um, but now, having having finally seen the the pieces finally fall into place, and everything that you know that that had been that you know that was coming through the way that Potter was managing this club, it was finally beginning to click. It takes time for it to click, and now boom, that's it. I'm off. See ya. Yeah. That's exactly the point. It's um, as, as Andy Bravery just said a few minutes ago. What is the bloody point? Because we've we've got to that, as you said, that golden point now. And then, how long have we had to enjoy it when it's actually at the complete peak this season, basically, in the very end of last season? That's what we're talking about, isn't it? Where we've really felt like we've stepped on, and we've got to enjoy it for virtually no time at all. And if it does work well for him in his next role, who gets to enjoy that? A bunch of objectionable fans, and I know some. Chelsea fans are decent, of course they are, every club that's the same, but there's a, a disproportionately large number of dickheads that, that are supporting that club, and I don't want to see them happy about anything. Um, they're, they're probably perfectly reasonably happy to to get Potter, but I don't think they'll really appreciate him unless he is given time and manages to do so over a longer period. 
Okay. Um, Annie Bravery, I think you had your hand up to talk about something, didn't you? A few um, so the comment about Win Stanley, because uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, I, I, we know we have no idea of what's gone on, but um, it's hardly it's it feels on the face of it hardly a vote of confidence that he's the only one left behind. You know, we could talk about like the great recruitment, but I mean, he was around when we had some of our um, less salubrious um, signings as well. So you kind of wonder, you know, I do wonder um, if they've taken a look at him and thought, no, thanks. I think in terms of the, um, you know, Bloom, I, I always kind of go back to Kieran Maguire, you know, no, no Bloom, no Albion. So I think he's still probably, you know, he's got the money basically. So he is still, but I think also he's understanding of the club. And I think that maybe that's our biggest asset in who comes in next is that he's clearly a, an owner stroke chairman that, that managers want to work for, you know, so it's not just about, um, you know, what he's going to pay them. They want to work for him. So, I mean, maybe that will go in our favour um, in terms remember, of recruitment. I was going to say, I can't remember the full t- uh, tweet, but he's quoted today, Kieran, on Twitter as saying, um, it felt like he's been going out with a girlfriend that he feels is above his level for ages. And he felt that eventually at some point she'd dump him and this is the day she did. And then it was something about um, the, uh, carrying on with the love when he moves or something like that. I can't remember what it is. Can, it was something yeah. the, the, other thing, the other thing I want to just, I just wanted to just check with you guys, because I, I thought I've read somewhere in the past that we recruited Potter by using a um, 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 football headhunter company. Um, and if we did, um, we might use them again. And yeah. um, I don't know what others if others remember seeing that somewhere. <laughs> Who wants to go or next? Not? <laughs> um, go on, Andy. Andy, not first. Well, I was actually going to ask Andy Bass a couple of questions, but he's just going. Oh, oh we to Chelsea now, so uh... I am oh, about okay. to. I am off up to London. But. Um, my questions are, firstly, why do you think Potter left? And secondly, do you blame Potter or do you blame the beast? <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I blame both. I think um, I, I, do, I do blame Potter a bit simply because of what he's been saying in his interviews, the impression that he's given us. I think the you know the beast is it, it, you know to coin a phrase it is what it is, but I, I just the thing that disappoints me most is just the absolute lack of imagination on this decision of him to choose the Chelsea job. You know he's got an agent; he can pick his next job. And if that's the job that he wanted to pick, then I'm very disappointed in him. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know there 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 will be there will be other challenges that I'm sure he'll want to do. And, and, you know, obviously he would move on from Brighton, but but he's moved on in the worst possible fashion. Has he not taken a chance when it comes, though? Is there no guarantee that we wouldn't have another drop in form this season and then any chance the big six job goes? I mean, football is a very, very fickle business, generally. I, to be honest, I I, I don't think, I don't think it would have been a, his only opportunity. And I think, I think he backs himself better than that. Yeah. Um, he knows he's doing a good job here. He can see what's happening. Um, his stock is high. If you know, he doesn't. He doesn't have to achieve that much more to really cement his to really cement his reputation here. He's already 
a shoe in for the next England job should he want it. I don't actually think he would because it'd be too boring for him. Um, but in terms of um, you know moving on to a club with more that might be able to give him more resources to finally push on and realise a vision, um, I, I don't think I don't think he would have any other problem at all getting a job. Um, what, what are the jobs? They're gonna, I mean, I'm not particularly advocating Chelsea, but they came third last year in the end, didn't they? There aren't. It's, Liverpool and City are the only two jobs probably bigger than City. He didn't seem to be. I, he didn't seem to be in a rush to get this new job. I mean, it's more about the process and the method and the the actual working that that seems to appeal to Potter. And he's got everything that he needs at the moment for a nice work, for a good working environment. And you just have to wait for those opportunities. Pep's going to leave City in a couple of years, be absolutely ideal for them. Would they choose him, though? I mean, I don't see Titi choosing him, Liverpool, to be honest. I don't know. They, they They actually seem to be... You know, I know it's you know another nation state, but they seem to be football savvy people, mm. and I think well, they would, and I think they would make a good football decision. I don't think they would make a, a splashy one. They would they would want to continue to win. Their last choice was the biggest manager in the world, probably, arguably. Yeah. <laughs> so that's true. I, I, actually, out, outside of Pep, Potter's the best manager in this in this division. I so. agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I so think, I think know, he was actually being prepped for post Pep, so to speak. Yeah. I think the idea in my yeah, head, I was but, imagining. But I hate to say it, the timing was all all wrong for that. Um, and as Peter yeah. says, as Peter says, um, football is incredibly fickle. Yeah, well, there is that. But I imagine the Premier League, which is the most fickle league of all. One minute you're in, like, look at Rogers. A year ago, he was being linked with you know all sorts of jobs, and now he's bottom of the league and being less than just with us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there are you know there are some mitigating circumstances there because the you know the Leicester finances are quite poor at the moment and they've had to cut their cloth accordingly and that's affected the playing side even though they do still have a ton of really good footballers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 just frustrating. It's just frustrating. I think Potter, you know, the world was his oyster, and he's I don't know, he's just gone and picked up a grubby bit of leftovers out of the bin. <laughs> Not a fan of Chelsea, are you? <laughs> so, um, so, you know, he's welcome to it. Um, um, and we'll have to see who the next manager is going to be here and we'll have to get behind him. Yeah. But, Andrew Croft blew my army at the weekend. Yeah, come on, Crofty, you can do it, son. <laughs> anyway, I, I do have to run for a train now. So. Yeah, yes. Well, there uh, you go, Andy. Thank you very much for joining Cheers. us. We'll see Thanks you soon. Cheers. Cheers. So, welcome back, everyone. And um, minus Andy Bass, who's had to leave us. By the way, a couple of the other friends of the show I asked if they wanted to come in. Too soon for me, said Richard Holberton. And David Townsend said, too soon for me, too. I would be spluttering away like Roly Burke in QC uh, if he was on. So... Um, yes, I think a lot of it's raw for a lot of people. It is for us as well, really. But I don't know. Somehow we're managing to articulate ourselves in such circumstances. Um, just a, a final follow up on the on that section of the debate, um, Peter. You're you're saying you're more uh, pragmatic about him leave him leaving. Yeah, us than Andy Bass. I'm more gutted in a way that Bruno and Roberts are going. They're the kind of ones for me who I'm really more gutted about because they're like both who've been in the club for quite a while, and certainly in Bruno's case has been playing for us. 
I, I, I think football managers, are, you know, I mean, last football managers we've lost in the three we've lost in my time have gone to Port Vale, Reading and Leicester as assistant manager. I mean, it's it's a truly genuinely big club. I don't think Posse could have turned it down. It was a it's a team who came third last year who are currently world champions. And uh, I think I didn't have quite the I think as anyone listens to the show will know. I regularly will know anyway. I, I don't have the love for Potter for quite as long as some people, I think. The last 15 games have been incredible and he's been brilliant. But it is only, you know, 15 games ago, we were on a run of six defeats in a row and there was a lot of doom and gloom around. He's found a way since then to move away from just having the one plan of playing it around in front of teams and trying to break them down. And we've become a lot more direct in some ways to Welbeck and a lot more pacey on the break as well and that sort of thing. So he has really found ways around the problems that we had. But, yeah, I didn't have the long-term... I mean, I didn't want him sacked. I wasn't booing against Leeds. I wasn't like asked, calling for him to be sacked. But I also wasn't the kind of advocate that Andy... But certainly Andy Knott was, for example. And obviously you were right in the end. I mean, and Andy Bravery, yeah, and Russ as well. All of you were probably much more advocates of him than me. So I'm not quite so upset that he's left as well in some ways. I think a lot of people are because... And it, some people are talking about, you know, about traitor and betrayal and that sort of thing. It's like, he's, in, in, the, in the end of the day, he's a man who's going for a job somewhere else and improving his career prospects. It's Some of the overreactions are, are, are a bit over the top sometimes. It's like no different to you or I going for a new job and getting it really to, to a lot of people. He, he's not a fan. He's not a supporter of Brighton. He's a football manager. Incidentally, we can revert to Andy K and Andy B now that the other Andy B's gone. So, I mean, Andy Bravery, thoughts on that? Uh, exactly. So, <laughs> so I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, you know, that it's, it, you know, it's professional. It's, it's a professional sport. It's all about winning, and and within that, he has to secure the best income he can for him and his family, and he's got an opportunity now to compete against the best coaches in Europe. Why wouldn't he want to do that? Why does everybody think it's going to be a big disaster? I mean, even if he goes there and it doesn't turn out to be great for him, he'll still get another job. I mean, Tuchel's supposed to have got like a £13 million payoff or something. So financially, it makes total sense to me. He gets an opportunity to try his ideas out at the next level. Why wouldn't he want to do that? And why shouldn't he back himself? He backed himself to come to us and improve us, and he did that. I think he can go and do that again. I've always been a great fan of his, and I think Peter's right. What, what I like about him as well is it. He finds solutions to problems. He finds solutions to problems, not just in the game itself, you know, match within the game time, but also outside of that. And, and, and in some ways, he's like a chairman's dream. He never moans about injuries. He never moans about he hasn't got enough players. He's never like, he's never ever said, oh, we're two, we're two players away from this, that or the other. He looks to what he's got and makes the best of them and, and actually believes in his coaching methods. I mean, why wouldn't you want him? I think, you know, Chelsea have come in. They've got him. They're obviously going to give him the opportunity. He'll be thankful for them for that. I think he'll be thankful for them for that. And I'm sure they're backing with the money. And I'm, and I'm you know, I'm two, th- two things to leave to, to, to sort of end this comment with. Firstly, I'm really intrigued to see what he does with players at the top end of the game and with a budget and the expectations go with that. And I don't, and I don't, um, I don't wish him um, failure. I'm less keen on the fact it's Chelsea, but I don't wish him failure. And, and if I'm going to take a positive stance on me as a Brighton fan now, I'm just excited to see who we get in next. You know, who does, who do Bloom and Barber bring in? And what does that mean for our, our squad? You know? Yeah, we'll get to that actually uh, shortly. But uh, first, Peter. Just on a side note, without wanting to be 
positive about Chelsea. I do think it's great to see a big six team trying an English manager from the Premier League. That's a real positive for me. Too often they go for the easy choices from abroad, the ones who, you know, you've done it for like PSG or done it for Juventus before. They're actually going for an English manager. It's not happened. It's not been a manager, I think, gone from a non-top six team to a top six team since Moist, Man U. I'm no, not, that's right. I might be right. It's, uh, it's not English, it's not English, yeah. But, no, but, I know it's not English, but I'm talking about just a promotion in terms of... Yeah, the same. Um, well, Rogers to Liverpool. Was he Celtic or was he... Is he not Celtic when he went to Liverpool? Yeah, I think you're right, actually. He's not yeah. English either, Andy. I know. <laughs> but yeah, I, mean, I don't know when the last English manager know, same from a non-top yeah. six team went to an English club. Because... Yeah, well, I mean, that's a good point, Peter, but I also should say I don't think an English manager has been doing this well in the Premier League in, a, in an era when it's right at the top of its game as well. This isn't Leicester's season-winning no. title no. where everyone was in flux. This is City are at the top of their game. Liverpool, well, supposedly were, but they just had a bad start to the season. Arsenal have started on fire. Um, Spurs are doing well. Man United have sorted their shit out, it seems. You know, that, and yet we're fourth in the table. Um, that, and we had the highest ranked finishing manager last season, ninth. But, you know, he, if he'd stayed with us happily, we would have finished higher than ninth, in my opinion, this season, barring any dramatic change of narrative. Um, I think it's a bit different. I think I, I, I take on board what you say. I think it is, you know, it is good that, the, that one of the big six is appointing an English manager, giving them a chance. It's a shame uh, it's I think, it, I think it's more, well, it's less of a, it's not a no-brainer exactly, but it's um, it's kind of, it's much more of an obvious choice than any English manager I can think of or British manager in general. Uh, in the past, um, Mr. B. I've just got to just say the yeah. stats speak for themselves. No English managers won the Premier League. Last yeah. English manager to win the top yeah. league was Howard Wilkinson. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, like he's got a chance, isn't he? He's got a chance of making history. Yeah, that's true. And if he achieves it, people will be talking about him forever. Well, there is why would he not leave for that then? That seems a no brainer, really, genuinely. Well, I'm well, with you, Peter. I, I, I think you have to take that opportunity and go. And you can. might not get it again. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Peter completely. I, I, I think, um, well, <clears throat> the point that Peter's been making about um, it's understandable why Potter left, I don't think he is actually motivated by money. Um, I think it's about testing himself at, yeah. at this level. Agreed. And the fact that um, the signing of the terms was done really quickly mm. is a kind of like a Paul Scholes contract type situation. Um, but I do want to go back. I mean, Peter's been really generous here in recognising that um, him and I have had a, a few, dis- let's call them discussions, aggravations, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> um, about Potter. And I, I mean, I, I just don't get why you turned really in the last kind of 15 games because, <clears throat> you know, we, we were on that form, we we're comfortably in the Champions League. And I suppose what I'm maybe talking is about the journey rather than destination. Um, and it was quite obvious that he was just transforming us, um, playing an absolutely stunning style of football, being bold, being brave. Um, um, as I've pointed out, you know, the transformation in the squad. Um, and you look, we're, we're in fourth place and, you know, there is that potential of Andrew Cross taking us to first place, not yes. Graham Potter. <laughs> Which is madness. <laughs> um, and 
that is despite the fact that we're hundred million pounds in credit in the last transfer window when all our competitors are probably a hundred million pound plus in the red. Um, so yeah, to, uh, I, I agree with what you said about um, Potter at the beginning, Russ. I think he's, he's just an exceptional manager, um, but he's up against similarly exceptional managers um, uh, at the level that he's going to be. As I say, I, I, I doubt that the idiot Chelsea fans will be that understanding and you know who knows how 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 it's going to go I, the way and Andy bravery formulated it was absolutely perfect I kind of want Potter to succeed I don't I don't have any ill wishes against him um uh but at Chelsea I'd re- really rather it didn't happen but I I uh, your point Andy Brave about Winstanley um, I think maybe that's probably a little bit harsh. I mean, he's he's basically gutted virtually the whole club, as it were. And I I do think it's quite significant that um, Bruno and Roberts have gone at this point because they obviously are now more loyal to Potter than they are to the club. And that, I'm not saying something for Bruno and. Um, you know, I'm raw about Bruno, especially and and Roberts, um, because yeah, that, that that connection is is much much deeper. However much I love Potter, um, but as Andy says, we're going to get a new manager in there um, to follow on from something you said earlier, Andy. Um, there is a message on the website which is taken from an interview that um, Bottle Top Barber did over the summer um, saying that they constantly keep their eye on um, all the talent within Europe, European football in terms of managers. Um, there is, we've been informed that it may well be the case that we've got somebody in place by Monday or Tuesday. If we have got someone in place by Monday or Tuesday there's virtually three weeks for them to work with the vast majority of our squad um, and to embed those ideas and it's just like um, it's that will be what's exciting. We'll forget about Potter quite quickly but I just, I just, I just want to put on record my thanks for the absolutely thrilling football and amazing experiences that he's given all of us. And it's it's because of that, because of his brilliance, that I think that there is this rawness now. Well, I'll go to Peter next, but just quickly, can I just echo that as well? Before, Because I, I haven't said that yet. He, he's been absolutely terrific for us, an amazing manager. Um, I, d- I also don't quite get Peter's reticence from the earlier days about it, but but overall, he's, he's been superb. He's transformed the club. Uh, and yes, you know, so thank you, Graham, for what you did with the club. I am pretty raw about him leaving. Um, but uh, yeah, Peter, Peter, over to you. In terms of reticence, I'll, I'll go back on. I was going to go to something else, but actually I'll talk about that quickly. I think my reticence was, give you an example of Villa away last year, where we were really poor and didn't offer anything really going forward. Didn't have played in front of their bat line the whole time, never looked like scoring, and then conceded two late goals. And that was where... 
performances like that were quite regular. And, you know, I think two years ago, he was, they were brilliant, you know, dominated teams, had the better on XG and then lost to a soft goal or drew to a soft goal. Last season, we had many, I think, more poor performances, what I called initially, certainly in the, some of the runs that we had, the runs we had. But yeah, I mean, since, and I think the biggest reason that he's, the biggest two reasons are that he's changed it around have been Casado coming in and Grosh being put in a position where Grosh actually will, will be brilliant. He has been superb the last 15 games. Hosser, I think for two and a half years, struggled to find where Grosh should play. He played him too deep. He didn't really work. He wasn't really contributing to the point where I actually thought he would leave this summer. But he's found, he's played him further forward recently. And that's been the, the big difference. I think from my point with Stanley, I, I'd forgotten about, we, I was going to originally say something when, when Andy said something, but I agree with you, other Andy, Andy Knott. Um, I think, I don't, I'm not too worried about him. I think he's staying because he's a club man rather than a, a Potter man. Potter obviously worked day to day with like Bruno and Roberts, it's a bit different, but I think he was the original club one. It'll be too weird to take two recruitment people with him as well. It's a bit of an odd structure. My, my big worry now is, one that he, he starts trying to nick one of our players, or they will get big money for them. But maybe more pertinently, he starts trying to look for our scouts as well and bring them in. And that's where I'm, I'm more worried. You know, people in South America who have brought in some of these players who have spotted Casado for four and a half million. That that's what I'm really worried about. That we don't get players like that in the future because Potter basically goes and decimates our scouting system as well, like he's done with our our first team staff. Can I just respond to both of those points? Um... In terms of Winstanley, I, I, I think that's a really good point about him being a club man, kind of detached from the everyday work in alongside Potter that, that Bruno and, and Roberts did. Um, in terms of our scouts, we've got, last I heard, over 300 of them. And with all the money that we've accrued, I wouldn't be surprised that Bloom has um, got one or 200 more subsequently. So if they nick one of our scouts, I'm not really that bothered. It's Chelsea, because... they might nick 500 of them, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the one thing that has concerned me, and, you know, um, I wasn't really expecting Potter to go this quickly, and it, it, it's an enormous shock. Um, and I, I really get the, the anger that's, that's um, out there as a result of it. But the one thing that's concerned me is... The kind of succession planning scenario, because I think we've sold too many players this summer, um, uh, despite the fact that where we are with, you know, in fourth place at the moment, um, I've, I think once we start losing, if we lose Casado and McAllister, for instance, and we're going to start to look really poor. So, um, well, not that we'll start to look really poor, but I think we'd probably plummet quite rapidly, actually. Um, so I, I think we really need some kind of squad depth. And then that, that I think also would be readily apparent to Bloom. He'd be cognizant of that. Um, and, um, you know, Chelsea or some other club coming in for our best players, I think we'll be told to go and take a run and hike. And it would be one of those scenarios where, um, you know, a little bit Bloom just turns around and says to the player, as much as you want to go, you're not going now. It's it's just not right for the club. Um, uh, you, you, you know, rather than January, you stay into, you stay into the summer. Um, but 
I suspect that we'll have a very busy transfer window in, in January. We've actually got money in the bank to spend, haven't we, on paper? So, and and of course, the big thing is also onto the small squad. The new person might not want that. They might want, as you say, more depth and more, you know, more options. My my other worry is with you know is the number of players on like eighteen months left in their contracts, and that's so. Yeah, I think Casado, for example, at least we get the big money for him because he's got quite a long time left. It's McAllister, it's Trossard, it's Beltman, even who you know you never know he might be deciding he wants to want to move on now. Potter's gone. It's it's those sorts of players that really worry me. Um, yeah, on the technical, uh, on talking about Win Stanley, I agree as well. I think there's an element of detachment from him with the rest of it because that was it in a circle. Grand Potter's in a circle, wasn't it? Um, I'm wondering if we need and if we're going to get the right fit. If we need someone else to fit into that void, either as part of a team with a manager or coach, sorry, or um, or just someone else permanent appointed separately and independently that maybe could be more all-encompassing. I don't know if we need that or not. Um, the other thing, I was going to put this to Andy Bravery. Um, you post uh, a message, um, which is a, a copy of um, Brett Mendoza, friend of the show's uh, tweet, which um, some of these roles have been filled. But he said, um, since June, we have lost one technical director, two head coach, three assistant head coach, four first-team coach, five club legend, six goalkeeping coach, seven head of recruitment, eight player of the season, nine best player and 10 top goal scorer. This is absolutely bonkers. I don't know if that bit's um, yours or Brett's, but that last bit, <laughs> the bonkers bit. Um, but it's uh, that's a hell of a lot to deal with. We have appointed what will hopefully be some good replacements in a couple of those roles. For example, David Weir. And in terms of the, the personnel, the playing staff, we'll see obviously over time. But um, I was just going to mention David there, actually. Yeah, go, let's go. Well, let's go to that first, then Andy K, and then and then and then Andy B. Well, I, hit, I mean, hit, um, I, I was only going to mention him because we hadn't mentioned him, and to me, he's a little bit of an unknown quantity because mm. he's kind of stepped in there, and you know, this will be his big moment, really, um, his first really big moment. Um, yeah, so I'm apprehensive. But excited about what's to come. But um, I agree with what Andy Bass said. It's a, it's an enormous decision um, to to take now. And Andy B, I just we just look a bit thin, don't we? And even even before the um, even before this, the the, the coach and that um, leaving, we you know we've. We've shipped out two or three good players, and it's and usually it's kind of we've got two or three on the horizon coming coming through. Um, and obviously the the new set that have arrived, Matoma, um, Undav, and that you know it's early days for those. Um, but I've not, I mean, others will know more than me. I'm not really sure what else we've got on the horizon. So yes, if people like McAllister. I think with Casado, I just think he's in a different, he's in a completely different league of his own, really. But McAllister, Trossard, you know, I even think Sanchez in some ways, you know, what, what who have we got to replace those at some point? I'm not, I'm not at the moment, I'm not seeing it, but um, usually we'd have someone who's about, who's about six to 12 months away. Um, so I think. Sanchez potentially, I think. He's supposed I to think, be a very, very yeah. good. So I think there's a challenge, there's challenges there at the moment that we may overcome. And obviously um, we need to see what Mod is like when he comes back. Um, and I, and, you know, I, I agree really. It's, it's, um, 
for some of the others, it's a big moment, really, to who um, steps up and takes control. And um, and how our younger players respond to not having the coach, the, you know, the coach there anymore. Are they still able to play and work out on the field what they need to do, um, you know, along with a bit of guidance from Cross and, and, and still, you know, show that commitment to the club, really, rather than to a former coach. I guess, I mean, ultimately, this is going to happen to them in their careers. You know, I would imagine people like Welbeck, I would hope anyway, people like Welbeck and Gross are talking to them about the fact that this is what happens in football and this is how you move on from it. That That's what I'm going to hope is going to happen anyway. Peter, yeah. The, the irony is we're talking about all this and, uh, and a lot of the very legitimate concerns that we all have. We could be top at five o'clock on, on, on Saturday. The backdrop to all of this stuff is if Andrew Cross can inspire them and get them working and get them playing the way they played at the weekend and play the way they played away from home the first two games as well, ignoring Fulham, we'll be top on Saturday at five o'clock, even if it's only for a few hours, and at least third at the end of the weekend. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, it's a certain irony. It's, I mean, we lost um, in last, like, I, I, I think we lost three managers in my time, and two of the last two are both left when we're near the top of the league and we ended up getting promoted. So uh, I'm taking the view that it means we're going to get European football next year as a result. <laughs> yeah, so these feelings we've not, we've not enjoyed since Steve Koppel was poached. It's mad, isn't it, to think that's that far uh, back. And by Reading as well. I mean, comparatively, <laughs> I, I, I think we've, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a big blow short term. And I think my, my, my I, I am glad that it's happened now in, rather than start of the season because, I mean, A, a who knows who would have left in the summer as well as the ones who did leave if Potter left in the summer. <laughs> And B, we have got that start, that we've got the, the points in the bag already, that we're a third of the way to like safety, basically, more than a third of the way to safety. And it's a, it's a big kind of, it allows the new manager when they come in, they've got, as, as we were saying earlier, quite a long time, two or three weeks is more than you expect at any point in the season, especially this season. And, and we've, got, we've got time, they've got some points in the bag. If they have a couple of poor games, they've also got Liverpool, City and Tottenham to come next month, which actually might be a good thing now because and Chelsea as well, because they're games that you wouldn't expect to win, get points from. We're not playing like, you know, relegation six points or like that. You know, we're playing games where they've got a chance to not say try stuff out, but certainly they can, you know, if we if we lose, we're not going to go, well, at what, you know, disaster sort of thing. So a Forest home, obviously, is one we'd hope to get result from and, yeah, whatever Palace is replayed. But, they're, you know, generally we've got like, you know, quite a, a tough run, which actually may not be a bad start for the new manager. Yeah. Yeah, the other name that hasn't been mentioned is Lilana, who is going to be with Cross team. But of yeah. course, he joined us because we we gave him a kind of pathway towards what he wants to do for the rest of his life. Um, and I I suspect that he might become quite prominent, um, uh, certainly in terms of guiding those players through the youngsters. Um, yeah. Especially if he's out injured, so he can actually sit in the dugout rather than... Uh... Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Peter, you mentioned actually it's quite a good point that if he had gone in the summer, that could have been more disruption on the player side of things, which of course we're referring to the transfer window. Just to pose another question, um, and I think you agree with me, but just I don't want to say uh, for sure, but um, managerial no, slash coaching transfer windows, not just because it's the Albion that have been hit by this, but is it time or overdue time for us to introduce that? Because of the disruption that can be caused to, as I said earlier, multiple 
clubs in a chain all having to suddenly uh, create upheaval. It's very disruptive. It's more disruptive than one single individual player in almost every case, if not every case, um, to lose the manager versus losing a player. You can cope with losing a player, can't you? A manager, maybe, maybe not. Even if you've, you've got good succession planning and even if you're able to bring in the, the one of the top choices that you would like as an alternative, it's still disruptive. We're definitely going to drop some points while we're getting used to the new manager, whatever we do. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I think we probably all agree on, on the fact that managerial windows would be a good thing to introduce. And I would like to regulate football such that we tame this beast. But unfortunately, um, it, it seeds um, Britain. You know, Britain might well be the heart of it. But, you know, it's the Champions League is much fun on it. It's, it's the TV companies, um, advertisers such as Gazprom, yeah. um, <laughs> um, etc. Et but one thing that I want to say that just explains this rawness, this anger at the moment, is the reason why we are angry and raw is because it hasn't happened to us. You know, you go and speak to a Southampton fan about this, and they, you know, their model is to be raided, and that's what our model is. So we may well have to get used to this. It just wasn't meant to be Kukurea at the same time as Basuma, and then Potter immediately afterwards as well. Yeah, was it? That was the thing. We all knew Basuma was going this summer, Mm. but yeah, it wasn't supposed to be Mm. Kukurea, and then also. Potter as well. I mean, I, mm. I, yeah, I totally agree with Russ. I think there should be a window. It might put clubs off sacking managers as well. We're now the third Premier League team this season in months in, probably looking for a new manager. That is ridiculous. It's, it's crazy. It's mm. like we're the third in, in a league of 20. So we're, it's the seventh of the teams have already got rid, have already lost or got rid of their manager in the space of a month. Villa are already, you know, there's talk of Gerard. The rumours you hear is like Leicester would have sat Roger they could afford to basically. You know, it's like there's so many different different rumours of different clubs and it, it's just it's just obscene it's like I, yeah it's the Premier League actually has been better than most lower leagues in recent years except for Watford but mm. um, generally this yeah this season's obviously going to be one of those ones where everyone just gets just sacked halfway through I'll take your point Andy Kay about being set up to be raided but I don't think that's our intention in terms of uh, 100% must be that's that's the one and only thing I think our, our overall intention it may be true of Southampton as well but it hasn't worked out for them so far, is to actually break into the Champions League. If you break into the Champions League, you can maybe afford to A, fend off players from a finan- uh, player sales from a financial point of view, but also, of course, persuade those players to want to stay with you because you can offer them Champions League football. And to a lesser degree, Europa League may be, but I know yeah. it's, it's an impossible but shell to crack, isn't it, though? It is, you know, um, and that's that's something else that I want to... to try and, uh, I, I hate this term, inject a bit of realism into things. The, the only club that's done that is Leicester. Hmm. Um, and look what they and, spent their money on. Absolute dross, most of it, wasn't it? It was like... Well, there you go. I mean, that's that's what happens. They're still and, suffering from the players they bought when they qualified for the Champions League, I think, money, yeah. eventually. And it's, it's not just that. The reason why they're struggling at the moment, I think, and the reason why they haven't sat, sat Rodgers is because their owners are, um, are suffering big time in the economic slowdown. Um, and I think that's what's going on. 
And if, I think if financial it's a, fair play is their problem. If it's a, well, I don't know about, you might be Mainly, right. I think it's European financial fair play, which considering they might go down is ironic because mm-hmm. they're, they're trying to comply with European financial fair play. But if it's the fight on finances, when it comes down to it, we've lost because as rich as Bloom is, he's, you know, he's nowhere near as rich as Saudi Arabia when it comes down to it. Um, uh, you know, what, what Bloom is and, and, this should calm people down a little bit. You know, he's ruthlessly uh, um, in charge of all contingencies and scenarios and on top of all information. Um, and that's the most comforting thing. And But I, 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 I do... I asked the, the question about who's the most important individual you know, almost facetiously, but I do I do wonder if Potter will be the best that we could get. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Peter? So move so, so, so this moves us towards the idea that we we have to kind of talk about success successes anyway. I think that we're in it's the first time Bloom's appointed from a real position of strength. We've had issues post-season of people leaving and like when Poyet left and when Garcia left and that sort of thing. Hopier, obviously, we had to get someone in quite quickly to not get relegated after him. Um, and then when Hewton left, we were going for a point where we came, almost went down. We're now in a position where we're fourth in the table. We could drop to fifth this weekend at worst if we lose at Bournemouth. We're genuine in a position where we can, we can pick and choose and we can go for someone I wonder if Bloom has someone in mind that maybe is even bigger than any of us thought. And mm. I don't know, you know, we were discussing Pochettino off air. I'm not convinced that he would be, he'd want to come, but someone who's got much more experience than maybe even ones we've talked about, you know, someone who he's got, you know, he, he, he is ambitious. He, yes, he doesn't have the money that say the Saudi Arabians have, although it's pick, isn't it? Not Saudi Arabia who own uh, Newcastle, as we've all been told many times by uh, yes. Newcastle fans. It's definitely not Saudi Arabian government or, uh, sorry, a, a king or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's. Um, I think I wonder if we might have a, We might actually go for someone who is, even if we don't get them, we might go for someone who is beyond slightly a, a lot of our fans' wildest dreams Test in terms of knowledge yeah. and that yeah. sort of thing. Because we are currently fourth in the league and we've got a squad that got us there. Now, Tony mm. Bloom, yes, Tony, um, this Graham Potter was the one who, who coached them and trained them. But the, the team did it on the pitch. They were the ones who were on the pitch and did this. And, and, and a decent manager will think, well, I can do what Graham Potter's done and maybe even do it over a whole season and get us there and, and you know, be top six or something like that. And that would really get me on the map as well. And again, this is where probably they would then be thinking of us as a, as a stepping stone again. You yeah. know, if they've done well in the past, but then lost their way a bit. But it still would be, you know, maybe a couple of years of really good results and that sort of thing. It's an interesting notion. I think, I mean, in terms of big names that are available, we've, we've got Zidane and we've got Pochettino, who were mentioned in relation to the Chelsea. We're not going to get them. But uh, the next scale down, I'm, I mean, this is where I'm thinking the next manager might come from. This would sound like the MO of Tony Bloom and Paul Barber is looking at people like possibly Thomas Frank, if we could get him from Brentford, uh, Postacoglu at Celtic, which might be too early in. That's what Celtic fans will tell us, but we all know that the uh, the lure of the Premier League might override that. Um, and then you've got 
Knutson at Bodeglimt, which I think is a really interesting one. They've gone on sensationally well in champions in their European campaigns, and he's done very well playing an exciting brand of football. I've not seen a huge amount of it, to be honest, but from all the reviews and the bits I have seen, he sounds like a typical type of left field appointment. And yeah. also, possibly, this is just another one I'm throwing in there from my own speculation, Hulmund, the Danish coach, uh, international coach. Those are the kind of people who are still, I think, higher level than we were looking at before because our profile's raised. Whether we're talk- whether you're talking, Peter, about someone higher than that or lower than that, I don't know, but I'm about to find out. Yeah, so I was going to say the other one I mentioned earlier was Dom- Domenico Tedesco, who, is at, um, who was at Leipzig. And obviously oh, yeah. didn't get last. He did well last season generally, but then didn't last very long this season. Has just been fired. Um, but there would be a certain irony in Knutson coming to us because his team lost to Dinamo Zagreb in the last qualifying round. I think the Champions League. Right. Obviously, Zagreb were the ones who were Tuchel's last game at Chelsea. So uh, there'd yeah. be a certain element of irony in that appointment. But I, th- I think someone like him. I think he sounds like he's got really good ideas. He'd be a, he'd be a really good follow-on to Potter. I think in a sense, you know, he fits with what the club wants. But I mean, yeah, I wondered if a, a bigger name they might even try for. I'm not saying they get someone, but give give it a go. You know, why not? See if you know, see if someone like Pochettino might be interested. He's he's lost his way a bit recently since Tottenham. You know, mm. he did brilliantly at Southampton. Why not try him? You know, probably say no, but you never know. Yeah, I mean, uh, Russ, uh, I I don't really know too much about all these different managers. Um, that you're mentioning, but I, I think those tiers where you said you, you said the tier that you said it would be realistic for us to go for, I don't think that's over ambitious at all. I, simply because it, again, the beast, and it, it's the Premier League that is the biggest beast, driven by the Champions League, of course. Um, so we are now a big player as it were, and I don't think that they they would kind of not consider us. And, you know, Pochettino might think, well, here's an opportunity for me to rebuild my love of the game, um, you know, not having to deal with Neymar and other egos and that kind of stuff. Um, this, this would be an opportunity. I, you know, I'm a big fan of Pochettino, and here I am talking about him, but uh, I suspect he'd say no, and I also suspect that he he probably wouldn't be on the list. But um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. Um, who knows? Yeah, yeah, it's, it really it could be. You never know. You never know what people are thinking individually. He might be looking for a new challenge, something fresher, maybe something slightly more laid back. Dare I say it? Um, who who knows, Peter? The alternative side, of course, of Pochettino is, and we have to accept that, is the minute we start doing well, he will be linked with every job, yeah. literally. Like, and that is, I think, something we'll have to accept the better we are in the Premier League. You know, it is, we're not, as we said earlier, we're not used to it. We're not, we've had Hewton, who obviously didn't really pull up any trees in the Premier League and kept us up, and that was, no one was going to be interested in that. And then Potter, who has until last season just kept us up as well for all the good football. And then last season, obviously, people started taking those things towards the end in that really good run and into this one. And obviously, within 15 games of an exceptional run. I mean, it is only 15 games ago. He lost six games in a row. And then 15 games later, he's gone to Chelsea, in a, in a sense. So I mean, it can happen pretty quickly. But 
I do think that we'd have to accept that that is, you know, any big name we got. And it's a matter of whether that's what what Bloom looks at. Maybe he'd rather go for someone like Knudsen, who maybe would be a bit under the radar for a while, rather than someone with a bigger name who would li- probably be, be linked with every job within, you know, Pochettino got us up to seventh or something like that. And then, you know, I don't know, Chelsea sat Potter in the summer. He'd be linked with Chelsea straight away or, you know, Spurs or Arsenal. You know, it, it would it would be pretty much immediate. I don't know. It's pretty sharp and efficient radar, I'd imagine, isn't it, really? Um, I'm going to throw in three more names. Two of them are very clearly jokes. Um, Tommy Tickle's available now. He's just been sacked by Chelsea. Um, and uh, the other one is, um, I've forgotten what I was going to say now. Oh, Neil Warnock, of course. He's retired four or five times, but, you know, we might be able to persuade him out of retirement. He once said he wanted to manage Brian. Um, the, the, well, the... known for his passing game as well. Patient build-up and all that. Exactly, yeah, that's right. Classy football. Sean Dyche, actually, as well. Um, one, one I'm actually saying, semi-seriously, Emma Hayes could be now a different manager from Chelsea to Tommy Tickle. Uh, it, does she become a feasible option? It would be very left-field, very left-field, and it would be... Um, it would be a typically inventive appointment that somebody, um, someone like Tony Bloom would, would make. Um, it, it would be an outlandish one. Is it feasible? Could she be on the shortlist? I'd, I'd be very surprised. I think, I completely think there will be at some point, relatively in the near future, women managing men's football teams. I don't think initially it'd be in Premier League. I think it'll be like, you know, the you know, League One Championship initially and then moving up and then it'll become a much more regular thing. I would be very surprised if if we went for Emma Hayes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I yeah, obviously one if you went for a, a female manager, we Sandra Sandra Beagle anyway, but I, was, I think she probably wouldn't want it. Well, Vigman hopefully would take the England men's job if she was leaving the, the women's job because I think she'd probably do pretty well. She's used to the international. She'd probably play dunk. Yes, hopefully, yeah. Well, hopefully not, probably, at this stage. But, yeah, we, we need our personnel at the moment. But, um, no, I mean, you're probably right. Emma Hayes, if she was coming into the men's game, unfortunately for her, it would be at a lower level probably to start with. Yeah, it's with. crazy because she's obviously one the, the best coach in women's game. But, exactly. yeah. in reality, that's probably what football's at at the moment. It's about that proven thing, isn't it? You know, until you've actually yeah. done it somewhere they'll, in the men's sport, they'll probably just say, well, no. I mean, I know Wimbledon... Um, were keen on her as a possible option when they were appointed in the past and cruelly thought about it, whatever that means. Um, but, uh, well, we look at that level, maybe, maybe not. Um, Andy B, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on any of what's just been said there in terms of, uh, well, just the kind of appointments, the, the type of appointments we might be looking at, not necessarily names individually, or the not, kind of thing. Yeah. Not, not really sure about Neil Warnock and emotional intelligence for a start. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, beyond, I think sure beyond that, though, I mean, or, or just intelligence. Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> it does make me smile sometimes. But I'm, yeah. I'm thinking that um, whoever it is, because I don't really follow the, um, you know, the, what goes on in European football and such like. So I wouldn't have any names for you. But I, I mean, obviously, it looks like it's probably they're going to stick with the model that it's more likely to be a coach than a manager. Yeah, so I think the days of another Chris Hutton are probably not are not coming. And I think what Potter's shown me actually is that you know, and I and I loved Chris Hutton, and and he was really good for our club. But you know, quite a rigid formation, and I think you know Potter's shown me that like things can be a lot more fluid, um, both in term and and that you can buy. I mean, I think Gilmore's a, a classic. Potter by really technically he looks really good 
and he can play two or three different positions. And that's the kind of player that we're looking for. And I think, therefore, we're going to probably have a coach who's going to fit that kind of thinking, really, again, if we can. I agree with um, with Andy, the other Andy, that, um, you know, maybe you can have contingency planning, but it doesn't necessarily mean the player you get, you're the manager you get, is as good as the one who's gone, you know. And, um, and maybe Potter will turn out to have been something quite special when we look back at his career in another 20 years. But I think... It's that kind of mindset, really, more about coaching than managing, more about flexibility, more about how you use the players. And also they've got to show a commitment to be giving younger players opportunities because that's the model. I don't think the model's going to change. So it's going to be about recruiting someone who can who can sort of embrace that and, and marry up with that, really. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, when I watch the way that Potter made that team play and the way that he changed the... The, you know, the tactics and the formation during the game. Uh, to some extent, even get, I think even the players sort of trying to get the responsibility for the players to work it out for themselves. That, that seems to be the modern, the modern way to go. And, um, you know, I'm all for it myself. Yeah. And those, those players have very much embraced that. They've really thrived under that system. We'd like to think that another manager, another coach coming in would have the same sensibilities, the same, ambitions and working processes so that they can continue to do that because we know they thrive doing it. So let's, let's hope think, for the best. I think exactly. to be a, Maybe they start leaving if they're not getting... Exactly. I think to be a success, he's going to have to, really. Yeah. Please. I think the one thing we're certain of, it will be a coach. That's the one thing we can absolutely guarantee oh. now. It won't be a manager. It will be a coach. The whole backroom, I know the, 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 the whole like main staff are kind of gone, but the whole backroom side of it, the recruitment, that sort of thing, it's basically going to be a coach. It's not going to be, you know, an old-fashioned manager sort of idea. It's going to be someone who's coming in mainly to coach the team and to get the best out of the players we've got, but we'll obviously have to have their say in recruitment based on tactics, but mainly we'll be focusing on just coaching that team. Yeah, all roads lead back to Poch then, really. <laughs> <laughs> Easy, really, yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed, yeah. Um, any further thoughts before we wrap this one up, guys? Anyone else got any yeah, I just want to echo what Andy was saying about, about the model. It's not range set. Um, and really, it's the model that's really interesting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're raw, we're down at the moment, but it'll pass quite. Yeah. No, no one's bigger than the club, and uh, the good ship Albion's got a bloody massive hole in its hull at the moment. But we will repair it; we won't sink. And other structures to that boat may maybe repaired as and where they and, need. And to it be. may turn out not to be as disastrous. It might be that the new person has that complete. You know, especially if they're working currently, they'll have their whole like team they wanted to come in. And actually, if Roberts had stayed and Bruno had stayed, it might have been quite awkward fitting that in and working around it. So, nice. you know. Yeah, we certainly need to get another goalkeeping coach in one way or the other, but obviously we'll see see who the new guy or girl wants uh, first of all. But um, yeah, OK, that's fine. So we do, you don't think we'll be the Titanic to carry on this clumsy metaphor then? Good. Um, uh, Andy Bravery? Well, I think that the, the thing is with all of us, you know, we're, we're, we're Brighton fans of, of long standing. You know, mm. this is not the worst it's ever been. No. We know, and we know that from from our own experiences of watching them from the terraces and and most recent times in the seats. So you know, a bit of perspective and a bit of positivity, and um, let's go again. 
Yeah, but we're probably in the best position to recruit a new manager than we've ever been in. But we are I'd in agree. the best position. Yeah, so I would agree. I would agree. It's not with, I would timing, but we are in the best position. Yeah, I think. I think it's. You know, I think you're right in the sense that it'll be about who, as much about who we want as who wants the job. And why wouldn't at the moment most coaches over in Europe want to come and and coach our team and work for a chairman who's proven himself while the club have had numerous bad spells under Potter, proved himself to be extremely loyal, will stand by his man and. You know, he, he, you know, Hewton almost got us relegated. He didn't, he didn't only sacked him after the season. He didn't like remove him during that awful run when he could easily have done that when we lost to Cardiff and that sort of thing. Potter had a six game losing streak and 11 game run without a win last season. He stuck by him, never showed any signs that he wasn't going to. The, the, yeah, the chairman, I think Tony Bloom is our biggest asset in the sense that he has shown what he is, you know, he, he is very, very loyal. He'll stand by someone and, you know, kind of, you know, at the end of the day, he will, you know, he won't sack you for a few results. Whereas most managers, Premier League, even at Premier League levels that are, we're at, a bad run results in a sack. And, you know, you go to Watford or something like that equivalent, you know, you're going to get sacked pretty quickly. Yeah, true. And I say um, one, can I one slight rant before I, uh, before we finish. Please do. I'm still really, really fed up with this whole like narrative of us booing Potter really oh, pisses yeah. me off it's like you see some comments on twitter from there was some talk sport talk about it earlier it's absolute bollocks 20 30 40 fans booed him but didn't boo him booed the team out of frustration because they didn't score against leeds when we had so many chances they were just out of frustration west ham booed most of their fans booed them off the pitch against us the ones that were left yeah. booed them off the pitch against us when we beat them 2-0 despite the job moise has done you don't hear them mentioning that exactly. you don't hear anyone mentioning the fact that united fans booed at half time in ten Hag's first game why didn't you not hear about all of those things at the time? You just hear about the narrative about Brighton fans booing Potter when it was literally 40 people, I think, or something yeah. like that. Just, exactly. And just yeah. to add to that rant, I mean, if you, like me, if you're, um, you know, for various reasons, you're a home fan only, there were periods of time last season when it wasn't, it wasn't a great look at times. It wasn't a great watch, but, you know, you kind of appreciate by what he was doing away from home. So, you know, in, in that sense, I just think, I can't believe if he's gone because he got pooped by 30, 40 people, then like, that's pretty I'm not even saying he, he he went to that. I, no, I mean, but some true. people kind it's of like the, more the throw that in there. Yeah, about, right, saying... The fans don't deserve him because they, yeah, they all yeah, booed yeah, and against the Leeds. Like, well, we didn't, most of us. No, no. It's absolutely can I Can I put a different viewpoint across? Um, I mean, I, I do take what Peter's saying there about, about the narrative. Um, but I thought our home fans were absolutely dreadful last season. Um, it was far more that we were dreadful, the fans were dreadful, rather than the team were dreadful. So I'm kind of differing with you on that. But I, um, I do want to go back to the point that, that Peter made um, just beforehand about Bloom being our biggest asset, the importance of loyalty. Um, uh, and that will stand us in very good stead uh, over the next week or so. Yeah, it really will do. And we can now, now that we know it's all definitely done and he is definitely leaving, we can now start looking forward to the speculation process and being a little bit excited about who we can get because we're a bloody good team, very well run, and we can look forward to who that next manager is, uh, or coach, I should say. Um, can I just echo on Peter, though? I do agree with Peter largely. Uh, the media are so poor. Um, Sky Sports, they have Paul Robinson on, who's generally articulate enough, but he kept going on about a ceiling. And I think this is why Andy Bass is so furious, because I don't think he had reached a ceiling with Brighton. I think the sky's the limit if you if he'd have carried on with us. It's a shame he has left. Um, but 
yeah, also there's no coverage, there's no fan representation on Sky that I've seen at all. I actually posed the question to them on Twitter, didn't get a reply, surprise, surprise. Um, but um, there needs to be more, I think the agenda is so skewed, isn't it? You just don't get much coverage about uh, anything to do with the clubs outside the top six beyond a small amount of spatterings of quotes and things like that. There needs to be much, far more coverage to get the representation up to get the size of club represented a bit more because it seems as if it's just six or seven big clubs and then the rest anyway that's my rant on that i agree with you andy about andy k about uh bloom uh it's a massive appointment that he's got coming up it's his his biggest one now because it sees us at our highest point can we continue it on it's going to be tantalizing the prospect that we might but can we? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, He's got all but one right so far. One one mistake and then the rest right. So, yeah. Got yeah. faith. Have faith. Exactly. That's it. Well, I think my sore throat's had about as much as it can take. So I'm going to sign off on that note. It's not been a great week. Gout, sore throat and the greatest manager in our history leaving. But uh, apart from that, it's been OK. Um, gentlemen. If only Potter had a gout and a sore throat, you might not have left. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he certainly wouldn't be able to drive with it, that's for sure, unless he's got an automatic. Um, anyway, on that note, uh, we'll sign out for now. We'll do another one, no doubt, discussing uh, the Bournemouth game. We won't do a preview of Bournemouth because I don't feel up to it at the moment, to be honest. Um, but let's hope we can get the result regardless because being top of the table for the first time in our history is potentially just two days away. Let's hope Mr Crofts can pull off a uh, result for us against our bogey team Bournemouth down at Dean Court, as I'm going to insist on keep calling it. Peter uh, and Andy's, thank you very much. Our aggravation of Andy's have been excellent. Andy Bastrom earlier, Andy Kay and Andy B, who have been on here uh, for the duration. Thank you to the Andy's. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And Peter, stand or fall? Up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network.